Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Good morning, church. How are we going? Great to have you here today. My name is Bronson. Along with my wife, Gabby, we're the pastors here. Who's glad they're in church this morning? Yeah, come on. It's so good to be in church today. Um, can you believe that we are at the end of November? It's almost December. Do you know what that means? What's coming? Holidays. Yeah, Christmas, holidays. But you know what else is, is coming? Summer's coming. Can you believe it? I mean, look outside and you're like, no, surely it's the start of winter soon. But summer is coming. I can't wait to get down to the beach, get, get some suntan going on and that kind of stuff. But uh, December 1st, summer, we need, we need to be praying, God, can you please bring the sun out? We want to have a great summer this year. Well, next Sunday, Pastor Gabby is kicking off a new series called Wonder which is going to be our Christmas series, and so that's going to be amazing. She's going to st- uh, start that me- message series, so please be here. She would love to have you here to uh, support her. And as she already said, uh, we've got a great day planned, December 18th. Please make sure you invite your friends. Make sure you are here, family. Grab a whole heap of those invites. Put them in your mailboxes where you live. Give them to people you know. It's going to be an amazing service. We're going to party because it's Jesus' birthday. And we're going to have a great time and we're going to have a lot of fun. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a great uh, sense of your presence here this morning. Uh, great, uh, your anointing here, Jesus. I thank you. It continues as we delve into your word, into your, into your scriptures. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. I love stories. I love to read novels and books, and, and, and I've done a lot of it over the years. And uh, there's something about a good story that draws you in, right? Where you want to keep reading it, or you want to keep watching the movie or the TV show. You want to know who the characters are, what's the plot, what's going to happen next, right? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? If you're reading something good, and a good story will draw you in. It'll grab your attention. What's going to happen next? And, you know, my favorite types of uh, stories to read are science fiction, uh, mystery, uh, thriller, adventure. I've never read a romance novel in my life. I mean, I kind of don't have to. Like Gabby in our marriage, it's like a romance novel. Uh, I don't know what happens in a romance novel, but all the good stuff, that's what our marriage is like. I don't know if there's any bad stuff. But some of the most inspiring stories are the nonfiction stories, right? Like real stuff. Uh, biographies, you read about someone's life, what they went through, maybe challenges that they faced, obstacles, things that they achieved, you know, how they changed things, you know, maybe their life, their community, their family, they did these amazing things, overcome opposition, they learnt lessons along the way. I wonder what the story of your life is. If we were to ask you, how do we what category does your what genre does your story of life fall into? I wonder what you say. Would you say, you know, it's it's fantasy, it's adventure, it's romance, it's it's mystery, it's thriller? Would you say, oh, bit of a horror in my life story? I, what's your life story? I don't know what it might be. I love this. I love that when it comes to living our lives with God, right? Living our lives with God with us, that our story is never finished. And some chapters might be good, some chapters might be bad. Some chapters might seem to go too long. Some chapters in our life we might feel they were too short. But no matter what happens in our life, the story never ends. Even when life does end, it actually the story actually doesn't end. See, when 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 life ends, it's actually the beginning of the best chapter. 
the greatest chapter, the, the most glorious chapter of our lives as we go to heaven to spend eternity with Jesus. And it's a whole new story that's going to happen there in heaven. Anyone excited about going to heaven? Feels like no one is. <laughs> Feels like we're like, oh, yeah, heaven, okay. Come on, we're going to go to a new story in heaven. It's going to be amazing. Well, today we're going to look at a story and a character in the Bible. And it's going to be a story where we look at this person's life and see what we went to. He's only mentioned a handful of times in the Old Testament, but his story is inspiring. There's some lessons there we can learn. But before we see who he is, before we reveal who he is, let's have a little bit of backstory. Let's get some context. So the context is this. We're in the Old Testament. Say it with me. Old Testament. And we're joining the Israelites on the arrival into a place called Canaan. Only recently, Israelites have been enslaved in a land called Egypt. They've been there for some 400 years in slavery uh, to the Egyptians. And uh, a man has come along. His name is Moses. And he said, let my people go. And and so a whole heap of things happen there. You're going to need to read it yourself. Finally, they're let free. They're set free. They are now free men and women who are going on their way. And they've come to this place called Canaan. Canaan was actually a place that was promised to their forefather, a man called Abraham. Do you know him? Father Abraham. You know that guy? Father Abraham. So it's been promised to him. So here they are some 400 to 600 years later. They're finally at this place that was promised to their forefather. Uh, They're going to take possession of this land. And so there's people already living there. So, you know, they're not just going to say, come on in. You know, it's going to be a a little bit of a rumble here. So the Israelites, they send out 12 spies. Pick a man from every tribe to go out and spy on the land, suss out the land, find out what it's like. Moses, who was their leader, he says to them, go into this land, see what it's like, see how strong the inhabitants are, discover what their towns are like, see if the soil's fertile or not, is it good for crops? And so off they go. They go into the land. They are there for 40 days, spying on the land. The number 40 comes up a lot in the Bible. 40 days they are there. And they finally come back with a report. Anyone here have to give a report to their boss now and again? Yeah. So they come back to their boss, Moses. Ten of the spies say the following. They say, it's a good land. But it's a good land. But the people are powerful. Uh, uh, their cities, now Moses says spy on their towns, they say their cities, cities are bigger than towns, their cities are well fortified. Then they say we saw descendants of Anak there. Anak was, uh, uh, was giants. We, we, see, we saw giants there. And we look like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't attack them. We're, they're so much stronger than us. And so 10 out of the 12 say we can't do it. They give a bad report. Enter stage right, the hero of our story today. He's a man called Caleb. Open your Bibles, if you would, to me, to Numbers 13, chapter, uh, verse 30. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me. It says this. So they gave their report. Now he gives his. He says this. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Who is Caleb? Caleb is a man who... Uh, was born into slavery. He's about 40 years of age at this time. And he is a person just like you and I. See, the story of his life is that sometimes things are going good for Caleb. Sometimes things aren't going so great for him. Sometimes it looks like he's going forward and advancing. Sometimes it looks like life is on a hold or he's going backward. He's retreating. And there's periods of time like this in his life. 
it sounds a lot like how I have experienced life. And perhaps it's how you've experienced life, how your story has been going forward, maybe going backwards, uh, achieving, maybe not getting as, doing as much as you want, if, if anyone relates to that today. Well, let's delve a little bit deeper and we're going to share three thoughts this morning on Caleb and how his life can inspire our lives. Number one, he spoke up for truth even when he was in the minority. Things are looking up for Caleb. First 40 years of his life, born a slave, lived in slavery. Person comes along, says, let my people go. They're freed now. He's been freed. He walks through, you know, the, he walks through this desert place, heads towards the promised land. Things are looking up. He gets chosen to represent his tribe, the tribe of Judah. That's a massive honor. Gets sent out as one of the spies. Like he's one of this elite group now. He's in the in crew, right? And so things are going great. And perhaps that's your story. Life started off difficult maybe or hard. But along the way, whatever's happened, you've worked hard, you've seized opportunities, you've taken the day, you've, you know, you've been in the right place at the right time. Whatever it is, things are looking up. Then we flash back and it's the report of the 12 spies. And suddenly the community of Israelites, after they say they're too powerful, the cities are too fortified, uh, we look like grasshoppers in their sight. After they give that report, the community of Israelites start to complain. They start to murmur. They start to have contempt in their, in their voices toward Moses and the leaders. And they start to say, we wish we died in Egypt. They start to say things like, let's go back to Egypt because at least there we had leeks and onions. Like what? Leeks and onions? Are you serious? They, they say this, let's go back to Egypt. Like can you, can, you, can you grasp that? They were slaves in Egypt. They would prefer to return back to their slavery than to step into the newness that God has for their lives. It's into this atmosphere of lies and defeat and complaining and contempt that Caleb steps up to speak truth. He says the following in uh, chapter 14, verse 6, uh, Joshua son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephana, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israel assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good, exceedingly good. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. What an amazing declaration of faith. This was the truth of the situation. This is the real truth. See, God was with them. This was the truth birthed out of a trust in God. They say the Lord is with us. Through our eyes, it might not look possible, but the Lord is with us. See, while everyone else was stressing, Caleb and Joshua are looking back at God's blessings. See, they remembered the twelve, the ten plagues of Egypt. They remembered the, the, the pillars of cloud and fire that guided them from Egypt up to the land of Canaan. They remembered the crossing of the Red Sea. Does anyone know the stories? They remembered all these times God was with them. And so they said to themselves, surely the God who performed those same miracles can perform them again. He can do them again. He will do it again. He's going to make it happen again. And we can take this land how true is that for us today? 
You turn on the news, inflation, interest rate rises, there's wars and rumors of wars, there's pandemics, there's health crises, there's all these things. It would be easy to step back, it would be easy to worry and to retreat, but when the truth is in your life, you realize that God is with you and your stressing can turn to blessing. Can anyone give me an amen this morning? Our stressing can turn to blessings. How did the community of Israel respond to Caleb and Joshua standing up and saying, hey, let's follow after God, Joshua 14, 10. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. It's not the outcome they were looking for, I don't think. Talked about stoning them, speaking up. The truth sometimes is going to cost us. Sometimes speaking up for truth will mean you're in the minority. Often to stand for truth, we must stand alone. You know, there's a state uh, election coming up uh, this Saturday, the 26th of November. Make sure you vote. Uh, I went and voted early this week in Nidri, where I live, and uh, lots of people there. And so that's come out. Can I just say, if there is a place that needs God's truth, is there a, if there is a place that needs godly men and women at this moment, it's amongst our politicians and state parliament. And as Christians... We should be saying, who is going to stand up for truth? Who is going to have godly influence in those places? Who is going to have policies that align with our Christian values and faith? And so I don't preach politics up here very much. I prefer to preach Jesus Christ because I believe Christ is the answer to the world, not our politicians or the government. But I do want to say this. I would ask you, would you consider voting for a party called Family First? This is a party that stands for Christian values, that will bring godly principles to the parliament, that will stand for truth. And I'm not telling you you have to, but I'm just saying, would you consider it? Would you consider going to their website? Because please, always check something that someone says. Go to their website, read about their values, read about their policies, read about what they are about. They are about Christianity, about God, but uh, bringing it into the state government. We need more people involved in our politics, right, who will have a godly influence for our state of Victoria. Hey, that'd be so, so good. Uh, number two, he was loyal to God and experienced loyalty from God. If you've got any parents here this morning, you know when your kids are complaining, sometimes you're just like, oh, I wish I, wish I could be transported out of here. I wish they could be transported out of here, right? You know what I mean? Like just from a split second, right? Anyone ever experienced that? Well, God's like, okay. Okay, guys, if you don't want this promised land, how about you have no lands? And I'm, he says, I'm going to wipe them out. Moses says, God, don't do that. Like all the nations, we've talked about how great and mighty God is and how this nation, don't do that. You know, you're not going to look so great. So God says this in verse 20 of chapter 14. The Lord replied, okay, I have forgiven them as you asked, Moses. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me. And tested me ten times. Not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one has, who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. So these people, all the ones, that, the ones that complained, everyone, none of them are going to see the promised land. But then he goes on to verse 24. He says, but. I love, I love the word but when God says it in the Bible. It, it means something good is about to happen. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude. 
than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Scriptures say Caleb had a different attitude. I wonder today, do we have a different attitude? I wonder if as we walk and live through our lives, I wonder if our attitude is different than perhaps the people around us. See, when others are complaining, we're thanking God. When some question God's plans, we're putting our trust in Him. When some say times are bad, we say, but God is good. You know, we've got a different attitude. When, when some are swayed to turn back on Jesus, we remain steadfast and loyal in our faith and our belief in Him and in, and in our trust and commitment and devotion to God because we have a different attitude. And Caleb was loyal to God and it says the Scriptures say that God promised to be loyal to Caleb and that he would enter the promised land. But get this. Caleb would spend, even though he was loyal to God, Caleb would spend the next 40 years wandering the wilderness in a waiting pattern for the promises of God to come true in his life. Chapter 1, he's born a slave. Chapter 2, rescued from Egypt, chosen to spy on Canaan. Chapter 3, 40 years wandering in the desert. Ever felt like you've been loyal to God, but now you're wandering in a desert? You're in a waiting place? You're somewhere where you're like, oh, God, I felt like you said this, but I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm so close and yet so far away. Anyone's experienced that? You're in a place of barrenness waiting for God's promise to come true. Take heart this morning. Take heart today. You're in good company with a man called Caleb. He lived many, many thousands of years ago. Uh, he, he's a good man. Take heart. See, when God promises something, he delivers I want to let someone know when he promises it, he will deliver. We don't know when, but we know he is faithful to deliver. Number three, he knew if God gave him a mission, God would also supply him all he needed to complete the mission. The kids could come today. A lot of time has passed for Caleb, uh, the Israelites a lot of time have passed for Caleb and the Israelites since that infamous day where he said, let's go up and take possession of the land. There's been 40 years of wandering, wandering in the desert, uh, you know, going around in circles. Uh, there's been 40 years of, of cold nights, uh, hot days of eating manna. Can you imagine eating the same food for 40 years in a row? Like sometimes I go to go, man, come on, we eat too much pasta. Like I know you're Italian, mamma mia, too much pasta, you know, like manna every day and listening to the continual complaints of the people dust in his clothes dust in his shoes in his food dust in his bed sheets isn't it the worst when like your kids are in your bed and there's crumbs in your bed sheets imagine dust in your bed sheets for 40 years it's been the worst people dying off he's waiting for the promises of God. He's remembering God was said, if I'm loyal to Him, He'll be loyal to me. Well, finally that period times, praise God, they enter the promised land. But you know, there's five years of battles there. There's conquests, there's campaigns, there's battles, there's wars, there's bloodshed and all these things following uh, uh, the leadership of Joshua, fight after fight, battle after battle. And then finally there's some rest in the land. We get to Joshua 14, verse 6. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephana, the Kezanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. 40 years old. Come on, there's some hope for us, 
people, if you're 40 or 50 or 60, there's hope for you. Come on. And I brought, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. He says, I, I, I though, I, however, follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that your children forever and that of your children forever because you follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, hold on to the promises of God, church. Don't forget, hold on, just as the Lord promised, He has kept me alive for 45 years since that time He said this to Moses, while Israel moved in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years of age. Hey, come on, if there's some old people here this evening, today, if you're, you know, whatever age that is, let's just say 85. Come on, you're young at heart. God is with you. So here I am. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out and just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country. That the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me. But the Lord helping me. I will drive them out, just as you said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jephana, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephana, the Kezonite, ever since. Because he followed the Lord, his God of Israel, wholeheartedly. If you continue on, it talks about how the place of Hebron was a place where giants were. Chapter 1, born a slave. Chapter 2, on the way to Canaan, the promised land. Chapter 3, wandering the desert. Chapter 4, the campaign against Canaan. Chapter 5, inherits his territory, a land full of giants. And and like I'm thinking right now, God, giants in my land? Like Moses never said anything about that. Like I'm about ready to throw the towel in. Like anyone want to go and fight some giants today? Not me, like I don't even want to fight someone my size, let alone giants. But he says, God promised me this territory and with his help, I'm going to take it. He knew what was there. He said, God promised me this territory and with his help, I'm going to take it. He didn't say, God promised me this territory, I'm going to take it. He said, God promised me this territory and with his help, I will take it. And there's promises, there's territory that God has promised us, church, that God has promised you, that God has placed in your heart and we will take it. When God gives us a mission, He gives us all we need to complete the mission. What's the mission of the church? What's the mission of Jesus followers? What's the mission of Christians? Our mission is to introduce people to Jesus. Our mission is to tell them about a Savior that died for them. Our mission is Jesus Christ proclaimed. And we have all that we need to complete the mission. We've got the Word of God. Check. We've got the Gospel message. Check. We've got the Holy Spirit. Check. We've got our own life experience of Jesus coming into our lives. Check. We have all that we need to be on mission for God. God has given us all we need for the mission. As I finish today, I I don't know what your life has been like. Maybe it's been a yo-yo like Caleb, you know, forward, back, forward, back, holding, waiting, forward, back. I I don't know what it's been like. Maybe it's been slow and steady, but it's it's been always kind of like moving to the right, kind of moving forward, moving up. Maybe your life has been just like disaster after disaster and, and your life has not been good. Can I say this? No matter what your life has been. The lesson, the story of Caleb, the lesson that we learn from his story is this. 
following the Lord wholeheartedly is based on decision, not circumstances. It's based on decision, not circumstances or situations of life. See, he had plenty of opportunities where he could have complained. Plenty of opportunities where he could have said, the circumstances don't fit with the promises, so I'm going to lean into the circumstances. Instead, he learned into his decision to follow God wholeheartedly. See, his circumstances were all over the place. Born a slave, set free, the new land, 40 years in the wilderness, wars won, territory given full of giants. But he decided to wholeheartedly follow God with everything that he had regardless of the situation. Imagine a church full of men and women that said, God, regardless of the circumstances, I make a decision to follow you wholeheartedly. Imagine a place, imagine what our homes might look like if we said wholeheartedly, Jesus, we're going to follow you. Imagine how the story of our life would look, the chapters still to be written, if we said wholeheartedly, God, I'm on mission for you. I'm on mission, Jesus, to tell my friends and family for you. Imagine uh, living in a way that was wholeheartedly led by the Holy Spirit. No matter what others said, no matter the situation, no matter how things panned out, that we could say, I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Let's pray today, church. God, this morning we thank you, Jesus, for your word, for your scriptures, God, that in it we can find, Lord Jesus, stories that encourage us, stories that reveal your heart, your nature.